regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is the Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins. And right over there is our co-host. What is going on, Dr. K? Hey, what's up? Dr. K, what do you think about our intro? Like like what we just listened to here? What, what do you think about that? Like it's it's been around for quite a while. We've never really talked about it. You, you like it? You know, it's an intro. So it's it seemed good. I thought it made sense. And uh, I certainly, I love the way that your podcast started with you guys felt very relatable. So the idea of ordinary people doing exceptional things and still making a huge impact in the world. I mean, I like some of the, the messaging points in there for sure. Thank you. A recent guest and longtime listener of the podcast, Neil Benson, posted to our community here recently. And I would like to, to talk about that a minute about the intro. He said, Jacques has had some great guests on the online course show recently. So I wanted to take a moment and rewrite his podcast intro. And you'll notice what Neil's about to say. It's very similar to what we have now, but but some key some key changes. He says, regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. Okay, so so far, no change, right? But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way, like the Jacques Hopkins way, the Phil Ebner way, the Austin Netsley way, the Abby Lynn Ashley way, the Mike Greenfield way, the Chris Lipe way, the Jason Dion way, the Nate Dotson way, and of course, the David Crozy way. As long as you're constantly getting better, there isn't really a wrong way. I'm here to help course creators actually help with online courses. So you see what he did there. He's saying there's not a wrong way to do online courses. He's just saying there's a lot, a lot, a lot of different ways to do it the right way, but there's no wrong way. Correct. Except if you don't try to improve, you don't try to like learn and grow. Right. That's, that's the other so that's point the there. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But I would still argue there's a wrong way to do things. <laughs> there's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point is like, there is still a wrong way. And, and maybe the intro is too vague. Like, okay, there's a right way. There's a wrong way. And that's kind of the point of this podcast is like, let's talk about all those right ways. And if any, any if any time mm-hmm. like a wrong way comes up, let's address it and talk about why it's not the right way to do things. But if I were to just like list some bullet points here, of like what's the wrong way to do it? Right. Well, I mean, if you're only in it for the money, probably a wrong way to do it. Right. I think that as a course creator, we should be, we should genuinely want to help people and and share this, this particular gift or knowledge or content that we have. I think that if you don't have like some sort of outcome or transformation in mind for your students. So, for example, I was, I heard from somebody recently who was thinking about putting together like an American history course. Well, okay, cool. Somebody could learn something from that, but that's just information, right? Like there's no, what, what outcome do you want? They're like, let's think of something more specific than just you'll learn American history. It's like, will you learn, will you get to some specific outcome? Like, can you be an American history teacher within seven weeks? Or can you be certified in something related to American history? Not just a generic American history course. Does that make sense? It does. I actually had wondered if, if there were creators out there, course creators that were teaching that kind of information though, and whether there would be a market for it. I mean, certainly in the podcast world, 
You know, there's some podcasts that are purely, um, what is it? Hardcore history. That could be called a course. And those podcasts are now largely behind a paywall. So maybe there is a market for that. I'd be interested to know. I wasn't aware that those were behind a paywall. Yeah, they keep a few out and then they go behind a paywall now where you have to pay like $3 an episode or something. My point is simply this, like if I want to go learn about American history, like the traditional methods are some sort of school or college course for sure. But now at this point in time, like that is ridiculously easy to to find on YouTube for free, right? So is piano education, but not with like a specific outcome or transformation, right? My pitch is, hey, you're going to to learn an extremely fun way and fast way. And in as little as three weeks from now, you're going to be playing actual songs on your piano for yourself and other people, right? You're not going to find that transformation and outcome just on YouTube. So yeah, so that guy needs to make how to take over the world by looking at a case study of Napoleon. (laughs) Right. Something a little more specific. Got it. And then also like this, this is maybe a little more gray, but like just starting to starting by building your course and not really having an audience or a plan overall that could fall into the like always improving, always growing, always figuring out phase of things. But we've talked about it many times. Like you're going to have more success if you just try to start building an audience first and having a relationship with them first and then really figuring out how you can best help them, what their struggles are and building course for them. So there's just a few things that come to mind. So I would push back on Neil just a little bit while I certainly appreciate the the (laughs) feedback and the idea. And I don't know that he was necessarily serious. I do think there's a wrong way to do online courses. For sure. <laughs> well, so let's see here. Did you finish recording those last uh, last course lessons? What do you think? Do you think I was able to finish? I hope so. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, yeah, so last time we talked about how I, I set out to record the, my entire course in one day and I only got through day 11. So I started recording this past Friday, started on day 12. Everything went really great, just like last time. All my files were 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 great. Uh, I think last time I ended up in around three fifteen, and I was just wiped out. Well, this time I look, and it's about four o'clock, and I had just finished day twenty, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, I just have one left." But I'm, I just, I'm, I'm like listening to 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 my emotions, and I'm just like, I just can't give day twenty one my best right now. I just cannot give it my best. And so I turned everything off. I called it a day. Still have one lesson left. Nice. Well, you'll be able to bring that party energy for the last lesson. So I think that's the right call. Exactly. Now I can go back to the drawing board, maybe maybe come up with some fun new creative things. I've thought about maybe having like a bottle of champagne ready to like pop right at the end or something like that. And I didn't have it ready last time. So day 21 is big. And, and to be honest with you, my last lesson this past time, like in the, I guess, current version of the course there's not really any new information like in the in the in the 5.0 version of piano in 21 days it's more like congratulations you're finished here's here's the paths you can go next and one time one of my one of my favorite and best students when i was asking him for some feedback on the course he was like you know i, I love the course obviously but to be honest with you like day 21 was a was a really big day for me and like i i when i finished day 20 i thought about going straight into it but i was like no i'm going to i'm going to wait a day and I'm going to just like really, really set out the time and just like, re- I'm just like, get ready to, to like celebrate and, and see what's new and just really block out a big chunk of time and make it this huge deal. And then he got into it. He's like, wait, there's, there's nothing new here. Like it was a big letdown for him. Right. So I want to make day 21 really special. 
And I just didn't have the energy left to do that. But um, I'll do I'll do it again this Friday and uh, and and record day twenty one, and maybe that'll be the the best lesson in the whole course. Huh? Yeah. So he wanted to savor that lesson like a fine wine. So <laughs> that's a big compliment. I mean, that's that's a huge compliment to hear somebody say that. Yeah, he's he's a great student too. He's still very active in the community, always adding value. Uh, in fact, shout out to Tony Lee because he he has since started a piano website pianotone.ca. He's up in Canada, pianotone.ca. And he does like reviews of keyboards and reviews of, of online piano courses. And he's really gotten into it. And he's an affiliate of Piano in 21 Days. And we talk we talk a good bit. He kind of audited the last version of my course to try to provide some feedback. He's a good guy. And um, so shout out to Tony Lee there up in up in Canada. Not sure if he listens to the podcast, but, but he might need to listen to this one. <laughs> So last time we recorded, we talked about how Neil Benson trained people who jumped into his funnel how to ask their manager for uh, a reimbursement for uh, for his course. And I suggested that you ask in your piano group about uh, just asking people if they're in a committed relationship, if they share finances, how it went convincing their spouse that they should invest in piano in 21 days. You asked that question in your group and you actually added me to your Facebook group. And I have to say, it was fun to see those responses. What did you think of that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you you offering that like exact like language I should post because as soon as we got off last week, I immediately posted it to the group and it was it was well received. It was very interesting responses. Um, so I'm I'm looking for it right now. The the exact text was for those in committed relationships with shared finances. Did you have to convince your significant other that investing in piano in 21 days was worth it? If so, what was most helpful to convince them? And once I st- once responses started rolling in, I-, I added you to the group so that you could actually mm-hmm. see the responses. It looks like um, like 26 comments fr- from people, and they're all like well thought out. It's not just like one word answers or anything. And I don't think I've actually responded to anybody. I've just hit like on a lot of them. So. Um, so none of those comments are for me. Like 26 people have actually responded. So you've seen those. What, what were your, some of your favorites? Well, I just liked uh, somebody early on in that, that feed of comments said, I did the five-day intro and told him, imagine how much process I could progress I can make in 21 days. And then one of, the, one of your other superstar students is Davina, which I got to see her video. You'll have to share that with uh, the online course community at some point. But Davina said, yeah, this is what got me at the start too, and what I used in my speech. And then there was another one where this uh, this woman said, "Husband bought me my piano as a complete surprise for my 40th birthday in November. I then spent a week or so trying out free YouTube videos and came across yours. He wanted me to stick with the free ones because it was a significant investment, but I added a section to our monthly budget so I could save up for it over the next year. In the end, my dad generously gifted me his." the cost to cover most of the course as my 40th birthday present. So here I am with a big smiley. So yeah, those are super cool. Um, I mean, as far as action steps, you have that, uh, those few questions that you ask people when they enter your funnel. And so I was thinking, I mean, you could actually add, add a question where it says, do you have to make financial decisions with a spouse? You could send an email with a screen capture of that Facebook feed. You could give them some suggestions, like just saying, like start with the five, start with start with the five day, five days of the course, and prove your commitment to your spouse, prove that it works, and uh, yeah, I mean it might help. You just said fart with the five. 
Are you going to cut that one No, out? we're, le- we're, leave- we're oh, leaving no. it in. <laughs> I'm not going to let that slide, man. No, but that's great advice. And I think that was your main point last time is you were like, you can, you can do this. You can ask, but let's, you can make it part of your funnel. Like if that's something that people are really on the fence about, a reason people are really on the fence with buying or not buying. And I even mentioned last time, like sometimes I'll get refund requests from people like, hey, I didn't ask my spouse about it. Now they're, now, now they're making me request a refund. But I love it. I can add that to my survey question. And if somebody responds that, yes, they do have like kind of another decision maker, literally share that screenshot of the responses in the group. I think that would really help. I think that's a, I think that's a great way to do marketing. Like it's just very real and you're not trying to, you're not trying to like give a script that's just like a generic script. Here's how you could talk to your spouse. No, here's an exact, like, my students saying exactly what their experience was like, and maybe it can help you. Exactly. Yep. And just tons of social proof because all their responses just had smileys and love and just yeah. they're excited to be in there. So it's it's beautiful proof. Yeah, very cool. I, I really appreciate that, man. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to our conversation of the day. Um, this is with Jessica Rose, who is a course creator, a very, very successful course creator. Um, she teaches people to make their own jewelry as well as sell it and like create a, uh, have it be a business as well. It reminded me a lot of like Nate Dotson, right? He, he teaches you to um, grow the microgreens, but also sell them, right? And there's also a lot of parallels to our, our guest a couple episodes ago, um, Amanda Overs, which you'll hear as well. So a lot of great takeaways here. Very, very, very successful business and another great lesson in pivoting with, with the... Um, with the pandemic. So uh, without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Jessica Rose. Hi, Jessica Rose. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. I'm excited to, um, to dive in a little bit. Uh, we, we briefly chatted, um, but I don't know much about you yet. I know kind of what I've seen on the internet. So why don't we start with like, who is it that you help and how do you help them? Sure. Yeah. So I help jewelry designers or people who want to make jewelry to learn how to make jewelry and then to run a successful, profitable business from their handmade craft. So yeah, all different kinds from like beading through to silversmithing, goldsmithing, you know, high-end jewelry, but also people just starting out. So it's, it's wonderful to see the journey that people go through and uh, the creative process. And then Lots of jewelers that come to us start with the making and say, oh my God, I'd love to sell this, but I have no idea where to start. So we also teach the business side of it of you know how to get established online, build an audience on Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, put the right messages out there. So you teach the how to make the jewelry side and then also how to turn that into a business and sell the jewelry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my one of my best friends and favorite people in this world is is kind of similar, and and I don't I don't come across that a ton where you're teaching like the making and the selling part. A lot of times it's like one or the other. But but the person I'm referring to, he has a, a microgreens business. He teaches. Do, do you know what a microgreen is? Mm, I can guess, but I'll let you tell me. Yeah, it's it's the little baby hard. version <laughs> of plants that um, you'll find at farmers markets, or at least she did before COVID. And a lot of times, like chefs will use them as a garnish on fancy dishes, but also people put them in smoothies. They're very, very nutritious. So for about probably five years now, he's had a course 
on teaching people to grow microgreens and sell them, right? How to make a business out of it, how to make like a six-figure business out of selling microgreens. So it sounds like you're you're doing something similar, but how do you how do you distinguish between those two things? Like is it one course that teaches both or do you have kind of two separate courses? Yeah, no, good question. There's there's lots of courses. So I started, I mean, how I started was I had a a physical school in London called London Jewelry School. So we were teaching jewelry making and um, people started asking, you know, how do I learn how to sell this stuff? Or they just ask questions and come up after class and be like, do I need insurance? Like, you know, all these little things. And so we ran day courses in jewelry making and then day courses in how to run a jewelry business. And people would often come on different ones. And then we started building uh, more courses, like five-week courses or, you know, uh, 10-week courses. And then eventually we developed some diplomas in jewelry making and uh, something we call the Jewelry Business Bootcamp, which is like uh, intense business training for jewelers. And then a few years ago, we started teaching them online. So we already had this huge bank of courses that we ran at the jewelry school. So we were just gradually kind of filming new ones and adding them to the online school, which is called Jewelers Academy, which is like a separate business. And um, so, yeah, business courses separate, making courses separate. But loads of people take both. And now I have a membership program. So people do can do all of it. You know, they can choose like a maker's membership, which is just for learning making jewelry, um, or the full Jewelers Academy membership, which also includes all the business courses. So just depends where people are at, but they are yeah, we don't like beading at the same time go and also insurance. <laughs> Let's think about that while we're beading. So they are separate courses. Very interesting. So you had a physical presence in London teaching this stuff. It was called the London Jewelry School. That doesn't exist anymore. You don't have the physical anymore? No, I closed it down because of COVID. So we were there for 12 years and we were mainly based in Hatton Garden, which is like the jewelry quarter in London. We trained over 30,000 students there and had a you know staff team and all of that good stuff. And it was growing. And then COVID came and we were like thinking, how do we teach someone to set a diamond with social distancing? And in the end, in, in a way, it was a blessing in disguise because my online course business was growing. And I think it was just a sign, like, just focus on that. That's how you can help people at the moment. And you never know, London Jewelry School may come back. It's, you know, we still got all the stuff in storage, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year because one business closed and the other one just kind of exploded. So yeah, I can't complain, but it's been a big change. Please tell me, you know, who Amanda Uvers is. I don't. <laughs> so she, she'll be, I don't know exactly because we record these in advance, but she'll probably be like two episodes before you. And that story you just told is unbelievably similar to her story. And you guys should totally connect. So she teaches people to make shoes and she has a physical place, or at least she did before COVID, had a physical, um, I guess store is not the right word, but but studio in London, teaching people in person to make shoes and then hasn't been doing that since COVID hit. I don't, even, I, I don't know if her doors have closed permanently like yours or not. Um, well, I guess you said it might come back. And and now she's teaching online. I think the only difference is it sounds like you had a course already or some sort of online academy presence before COVID and just kind of doubled down on that. Whereas she, if I remember her story correctly, 
um, had to kind of quickly pivot and, and launch. it was something on the back of her mind for years. She's like, okay, now's the time. I've got to, I've got to, uh, figure out where, how to replace this revenue. So I, I'm shocked that you've never, uh, you don't know Amanda. Yeah. Well, we'll obviously have to connect. And I have so much respect for anyone who's just pivoted like in one go, because I've been spending years building up the online courses and yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's amazing work, but it is work like anything. And, you know, we love it, but it's, uh, yeah, to, to go from physical presence closing down and straight away online, is just awesome. So that sounds like a great journey. Yes. So let's talk about kind of when the initial lockdown started, what percentage of your business would you say roughly was coming from, from the online? Like how much of a pivot was it for you? So I think that the online business was, well, just to talk numbers, it's probably the easiest way, was probably turning over about 200,000 a year, something like that. And the physical business was on track to do kind of like 800,000 that year. But that was quite a lot of growth for us. It it took me a long time to grow the physical business. It kind of got to a certain stage. And then I felt like the growth was capped, (laughs) which a lot of it is mindset stuff and, you know, just growing as a person. Uh, to let that income come in anyway, but it's uh, yeah. So and then you know, since then, obviously that eight hundred thousand business has gone down to zero, and the you know the kind of two hundred thousand. I think we're on track to do about a million pound turnover this year. So big, big growth, which unbelievable. That's amazing. So pre COVID, about two hundred pounds from in a year from from online eight hundred thousand from in person. So kind of an 80%, 20% split. Yeah. Overnight, pretty much probably that 800 goes to zero. And in the past several months, you've built up the online to basically replace the in person. Pretty much. Yeah. They're pretty much. So now you're bringing in about the same amount as you were before, which, which kind of business model do you like better? If we didn't have, (laughs) you know, if COVID wasn't a thing anymore, which one do you like better? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, for for purely numbers, the online business is a lot more profitable because um, you don't have all the overheads. There's less staff, even though you know have incredible staff team and amazing tutors. There's there's less of them, or there's less hours of that's necessary for in total. Um, I do have a passion for teaching people, so I still you know like. For a long time, people were like, oh, why are you still doing one jewelry school? Like you could be running these other businesses. And I was like, oh, but I love it. You know, there's there's the love of the business as well. But certainly, yeah, in terms of ease of running a business and income coming in, the online business is, is a much better business model for sure. And the growth potential, you know, because in a physical space, there's only so many people you can have in a class. And if you're teaching online, there's, you know, we still cap some of our classes that are a lot more intense and we have like individual mentors for people, but then there's still a lot more growth potential with the online. So it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a good yeah. ride. <laughs> you, you don't have to convince me. I'm the host of the <laughs> online course show, right? I'm not the host of the run a brick and mortar business show, <laughs> which sounds like a, a, not a great podcast for the past year if that one exists. Mm. So I imagine you're not a one-person show uh, with with such a big physical presence there in London. Were you able to kind of transition some of your team or employees to now help you with the online business? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we kept as many people as we could. There were a few people that that we did ha- have to let go, which is always really difficult. But we we kept the core kind of team as much as possible. And then in terms of the tutors, we kind of worked with the ones that wanted to work online because it's also it's a very personal thing. Not everybody wants to teach online. I know that's crazy <laughs> to you and me, but yeah, not everyone feels comfortable in front of the camera or, you know, there's just lots of different things when you're working with, with a team. Um, so, but a lot of the jewelers that we did work with, were really happy to take on online courses and mentoring people online and all of that, which has been, which has been a real ride for them as well. You know, some of them had never sat in front of a camera before and suddenly they've got a film crew and <laughs> all of this stuff. So yeah, we've, we're we're a similar team some some changes but a lot of people came over with us which is awesome good when i um when i reached out to you about possibly coming on the podcast one of the things you mentioned that you thought you could add value to the audience was you said that um you could share your strategy for running course launches so so tell what's the secret what's what's your secret <laughs> to running course launches yeah well it's not so much a secret it's just that I know that I really benefited from this so when I first put online courses you know my first strategy for online courses which was a little bit of a non-strategy was I made four and I was like I'm gonna build a website and I'm gonna put them on the website and and everyone will buy them and it'll be awesome and I'll Wait, so give me give me the idea of timing here how long ago was this oh this was a long time ago maybe like six or seven years ago so it wasn't even really a massive thing to do like to get someone to an online course was a little bit ambitious anyway and yeah I didn't do any kind of launch really uh, I just sent an email like there's four courses guys go and get it um and got the kind of tumbleweed. And I was like, what? I thought online courses is like a growth area. What am I doing wrong? The courses are really good quality. I knew that they were great things that people wanted to learn. And it really made me realize that the product is is less than 50% of it. You know, what's so important is the marketing and how you lead up to it. And of course, you want to have a good product as well. But I kind of, you know, I was lucky I had that because I'd already had a business that had a lot of experience of teaching. And I knew what people needed, but really communicating that that kind of launch. So how we do courses now, I mean, we're learning all the time, but we, you know, we set dates for course launches. We'll often do like a pre-sale. So we'll sell at a discount before the course launches for some of the making courses. We'll do like trailers to get people excited on Instagram. We'll do like reels. We'll be sharing pictures of what's coming. And, you know, a mixture of like really beautiful pictures of what's coming and then really like rough behind the scenes. Like this is just some gold that we're working on. And this is a bench, like a jeweler's bench, which is, you know, if you're a jeweler, you love a picture of a jeweler's bench. So kind of really like understanding the customer. And um, the great thing is the customer is kind of me because I love jewelry making and I create the courses that I just want to learn. So I get the jewelers that I want to learn from. I'm like, show me how to do this. And um, that really helps me to understand because I know if it's my dream course, it's probably a lot of other people's dream course. But yeah, in terms of the launch model, it's really like the, the other side of it is really setting a goal. So I set myself a goal and, you know, whatever goal I sort of feel comfortable with uh, in terms of income and in terms of students, I will double it and be like, right let's do it. Like, let's go for it. Why not? And a lot of the stuff that I've learned, especially over the past few years in business, because I started business when I was 19. It's kind of all I've ever 
done and I ran that physical business for about 10 years and now running the online one is uh yeah if I feel like I'm if I feel like the money's not going to come in or I feel like the students are not going to come guess what's going to happen <laughs> the money's not going to come in and the students are not going to come so really working on that kind of you know understanding that your potential is limitless and there's there's growth out there for you and you know whatever income you go for is what's going to come towards you and it may take a bit of time and so really working on that side of it as well as the practical marketing you know building relationships understanding the customer and when that all comes together it, it's been well it's worked for us so hopefully it will help some others as well yes thanks for sharing that i mean that, the, the mindset piece might be the biggest of it all i know a lot of people struggle with that when they've never really had success they've never really put themselves out there on camera out there on the internet it's like ah who am i to to be out there doing this thing well that's that's kind of an ego thing in my opinion it's like why not like people aren't like thinking of you as critically as you might think right you're just another person out there and if you if you want to go kick some butt go kick some butt and and have a positive outlook on it and that's only going to help you right and that's i think most of the people we've had on the show have a similar attitude where it's like I know I'm good at teaching this thing. I've had successful students and I want to keep being successful and I want my students to keep being successful. So I'm going to welcome in as many people into my program as possible. And, um, and so, you know, the mindset piece can't be understated. And then the other thing is when you were talking about how you first launched, like I, it sounded like my story. Like I, (laughs) I, I launched in 2013. Um, I got the idea for my piano course early 2013, late 2013. I launched to crickets. I would say crickets. You said tumbleweeds, but like the first day I made zero sales. And it's for the same reason you said, like I put all the effort into the course, but I didn't know the first thing about marketing, right? I didn't know how to launch. I sent out an email, great, to a tiny little email list, but I had to learn the marketing and it sounds like you've learned the marketing as well. Now, help me clarify one thing. Are, are all of your courses like, I'm getting the sense that maybe you teach them all live or do you have some pre-recorded things? No, yeah, it's a mixture. A lot of them are pre-recorded. The jewelry making ones tend to be pre-recorded because we, so if you imagine like a diamond that's two millimeters <laughs> and trying to get a real nice close-up of that being set. So we use a film crew who's very specialist in getting like real close-ups on things because that's a that's a unique challenge with jewelry filming. It's uh yeah, it's it's micro, it's very small. And it's so important that students can see the detail because, you know, if the if at the crucial point your finger's over it, it's kind of like, what? I, I need to see that. So um, so yeah, so we record all of that, but we do a lot of programs that are live. So for example, with our diploma course, it's a year-long course for students, and they spend roughly one day a week on it. So every week um a new course is released that's maybe like I don't know, five or six videos. And it might be like how to make a silver pendant, for example, one of the beginner ones, like how to make a silver pendant and a ring. So they watch it through, they can start making. And, um, but then we have live support sessions. So they have a mentor, they're assigned a mentor each, which they have one-to-ones with one in the term and one at the end of each term. They also send us their work. So we mark it with it in front of us. So it's quite involved <laughs> in terms of those programs. And then, yeah, these live sessions with the mentors where they can ask questions. So it's kind of like a hybrid of pre-recorded, really good content. And then 
the live sessions are just more about community, getting support, motivation, and uh, yeah, growth for for the students. Well, I'm, I'm on your website right now, jewelersacademy.com, and I see a lot of the offerings right there at the top in the menu. And you just mentioned diploma. So there's one here, it says diploma in, um, well, there's two, diploma in silver jewelry and diploma in fine jewelry. W- which one were you just talking about or is it both of them? So they both run in a very similar way. Diploma in silver jewelry is for like beginner to improver jewelers. And then the diploma in fine jewelry is almost like the year after that. So you do the first year and then the second, but some people join whenever. So the, the diploma in fine jewelry is for like intermediate to advanced jewelers. So it's just taking your skills up that, that next level. Okay. It looks like they're both priced uh, pretty much the same, but how are you, um, especially with higher priced products like this, it looks like it's th- around 3,000 3, pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Higher yeah. priced products like that, a lot of times... You know, you, people don't necessarily show the price, like it's it's behind some sort of application or, or funnel, right? It, are, are people literally coming to the homepage, clicking on that or buying? Or do you have some kind of elaborate funnel somewhere that I'm not seeing? Not really with this course. So this course, uh, so we do have funnels with like our business courses. This course we ran in person for, yeah, like eight years or so. And then we made this course in COVID because we had current diploma students we were like halfway through a diploma with us and we were like, we need to build an online system for them. And, you know, some of them decided not to take it and some of them took it. And uh, yeah, it, and we were just inundated with, with students. We didn't, we couldn't believe it, how many people just wanted to do it. This is probably the first course I've ever launched where it was almost not so much the marketing. <laughs> it was just people obviously wanted it. And uh yeah, I think it's okay to put the price out there when people know they want it, when you can communicate the value. And it's, yeah, we we had all these plans for marketing it. You know, I was like excited about making the trailer and all this stuff. And then we sold out within two weeks. So we, we didn't market it. And uh, we've, we've done a new launch for this year where we have done marketing and we've increased the capacity. But it's what I've learned about that course in particular is it's just creating the course that people want. You know, like I said before, I created the course that I would, my dream course, like if I could learn anything, that's what I would learn. And it, it turns out that there's other people that, that felt the same. That's, that's truly amazing. That's, I'm just so impressed by this. I'm still kind of clicking around over here and it looks like there's actually- <laughs> I'm going to learn some jewelry making. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe before you know it, I'll be making jewelry, I'll be making shoes, I'll be growing microwaves, just doing, yeah. doing everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of different courses, offerings, memberships as I click around in various places, some lower ticket, I just saw one that was in the hundred something pound range. And then of course we just talked about a couple that were in the three thousand pound range. And then and then you've got a membership too. So what's and I think you said the membership has uh, access to a lot of the courses in there. So are you finding that you're getting a, a fair amount of splits between people that just go for the courses versus the membership? I'm I, I'm I'm not wording this question very well, but for example, my piano course is just a course. Like I don't have a membership too. From your experience, like what's the advantage to having courses and a membership? Yeah. So what we found is with the courses, when we did a launch, people bought. And when we didn't do a launch, people didn't buy. So it was very much based around the launches, you know, which makes sense. Like if you're if if people are seeing what you're putting out there, 
they'll come to it. And then if you're not talking about it anymore, you know, our attention span is short. If it, if I don't see it in front of me, I'm not necessarily going searching for it. Um, and the membership really came out uh, because we do this eight-week business course every year called the Joy Business Bootcamp, which we run normally towards the beginning of the year. Our next one's starting shortly. It probably will have started by the time that this is out. And uh, so students were taking this course, this eight-week course, which is awesome, and they're getting incredible results. And then they were like, what do we do now? Like, the course is finished. You know, we don't want to stop this journey. Like, our jewelry business isn't perfect. We're not going to never have a problem again. So we built the membership as a way to support those students for all year round. Uh, so the membership is really like a community around the courses. So people buy that and they get access to all of the courses that aren't the diploma courses and also the business courses. And it's really just, yeah, I think the community aspect of it is what really helps in terms of that. So if you buy an individual course, that's fine. And there's Facebook groups and things you can get involved in. But when you're a member, you're amongst a whole crew of members. And we found that, you know, people really enjoy that and, and like being part of something and they get to know each other online, you know, and they have similar issues and go through similar ups and downs and can relate to each other. So that's where the membership really kind of came into its own. What, uh, what tool are you using to execute that? Is it just a Facebook group or do you have the community members somewhere else? Uh, no, it's all just Facebook groups. Simple. <laughs> How many active members do you have roughly? Uh, we've got, we normally have between about 500 and seven, 800 members. It kind of goes up and down. Uh, but yeah, normally the lowest is sort of 500 maximum we've had, I think is about 800 probably. Yeah. Wow. A nice crib. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the pricing for it right now. It looks like a monthly membership is 59 pounds a month, or there's a three time a year payment option annual. You could do around 500 pounds or you even have a lifetime membership option at close to a thousand pounds. Do a fair amount of people take you up in that lifetime offer? Yeah, we just added that like a week ago. <laughs> um, but we have had quite a few people join it. Yeah, I think that's nice for people who, you know, if you're, you want to be part of a membership, but you're like, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm going to have to pay for this for the rest of my life. And I'm willing to commit a little bit more up front. I, I think that I would probably be that person as well as I like to just pay for stuff and then it's done. I know it's different for everyone. Like obviously if you don't have the money, you've got to work with payment plans and stuff. And that's, you know, that's great because you can get the growth that you want starting from where you are. But yeah, it's just we really just respond to what people ask us for. So, you know, uh, and and my kind of opinion is that I don't think anyone should ever have to pay more than a thousand pounds for our membership. So if they've paid for a couple of years, we kind of let them join uh, lifetime when they, when they get there as well. So it's, yeah, just responding to what people need and, and trying to be helpful and, and trying to, you know, help other people to grow because that's what, that's what gets us out of bed in the morning. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> what, what specifically, like you, it, it, do people send you pictures of the jewelry they've made? Do they, do they send you, uh, do they send you like emails with, with the, how much money they were making from their business? Like what lights you up the most? Yeah, that's a good question. So many things. I mean, the pictures are amazing to see people kind of go, especially when, you know, some of the members, I know them very well because they're very active and I see where they started and, you know, the growth. And a lot of people take the boot camp with us a few times. So they'll do it one year and then they'll come back the next year and they might even come back a third year. And just seeing like their confidence, seeing uh, their sales grow, seeing their business grow, their branding get more professional 
their photography get more professional. Like all of these things are amazing. And I always love getting messages on Instagram with people like, you know, just say such nice things like, oh, you're so inspiring. I love your positivity. Or yeah, my business has got 400 sales this year. Last year it got 150. The year before that was 20. And I've just followed your advice. And it's, I think it's so nice to feel useful and helpful to others and to, you know, to feel that the work you're putting out there is making a real difference in the world. That's super rewarding. So yeah, we have amazing students. We're very lucky. Sounds like it. Now with a essentially a million pound a year plus online business uh, with all these different offerings, you, you make it sound pretty streamlined. I got to be honest with you. Like, are you, is it, is it pretty dialed in and streamlined? And what are you yourself doing on the day to day? Or are you pretty well delegated most of it at this point? Yeah, well, I have an awesome team. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have got this far without them. Uh, I have, I have a three year old. So I work normally about three days a week. And, um, you know, during launch time, that might go up to four. But generally speaking, it's, yeah, my average kind of working week is three days. And um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's amazing to, to be able to, to do that in, in that time. And yeah, it's, it is, I'm surprised by how much, uh, how little <laughs> I am doing. I mean, sometimes it goes up, like we did a mastermind last year and uh, that was quite involved for me because I was doing, you know, the calls with people and a lot of kind of the one-to-one mentoring. So I think the nice thing about it is you get to choose. So it's like, okay, this year, do I want to do that again? Or do I want to focus on the membership? Or, you know, do I, what do I want to do? So it's kind of flexible. Some years I'm busier, some years I'm less. And uh, yeah, but I think the best part of it is, is the choice factor in that. And yeah, I don't work too hard. I was a workaholic uh, originally. So I learned the hard way. <laughs> I got very burnt out. Uh, probably about four years into my into my business in my early 20s and I didn't work for about a year or two and luckily my business just carried on because I've always had really awesome staff and that really taught me some lessons around you don't need to be working all of the time and it's the quality of work that you put in and the thing I feel like I'm really learning this year and you know the last couple of years is actually looking after yourself and growing yourself you then have that energy to give to your business. And that grows it way more than just grind. And like, oh, I'm just going to sit here at this computer and edit for 12 hours or whatever it is. Because I think we buy from people's energy. So yeah, really respecting your own energy in terms of like, my daily walk is so important to me. You know, if I don't have that, (laughs) I'm not going to give what I need to give to my business. And I'm sure this is stuff that people know, you know, but I always like to be reminded of of what's important. So. No, it's a good reminder. I think that's one of the the seven habits of highly effective people, right? Sharpen the saw, right? You can't just uh, you can't just um, you know hack at a, at a tree with a dull blade. Uh, you know, you got to take some time to sharpen it up, and then you'll be really effective. So, thanks for the reminder. And I have a three year old too, by the way. Uh, cheers to that. It's a very interesting age. Yeah, they're hilarious. <laughs> That's one word for it. Um, so, what is the what is the secret, if you will, to finding and keeping uh, good uh, good employees and staff? 
That's a good question. You've got lots of good questions. <laughs> Finding and keeping good employees and staff. I mean, I think in terms of finding, I think a lot of it's your intuition, you know. I have taken on people in the past who I thought, oh, really not sure about this. And, you know, it's not a judgment on them, but it hasn't worked out for for one reason or or another. And I think I always really knew, you know, if I really think about it, I always knew at the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, it's not that practical, that advice, but I would say, you know, you kind of know if you get a bad feeling about something, it's probably, it doesn't mean the other person's not good. It just might not be a good fit. So that's, that's kind of been my experience and people who um, I'm drawn to, I just, I don't worry too much if they have all the skills. So they do have lots of skills of people that work for me, but if they're missing some, it's like, okay, great. If they've got the right attitude and if they care about what we do, and if they've got the passion, skills can always be learned. So that's what I really look for in, in staff or employees is, do they care about what I care about? And, you know, the great thing about something like a membership or building courses online is you start to see people who are really active and you think, oh, she'd be really good to help with our diploma program or, oh, this person would be great to help, you know, with the podcast, finding guests or whatever. So it's kind of become more of a natural process over time. Yeah. And really going hiring on passion uh, over skills because the skills can can always be learned if, if they're passionate and they've got the right kind of attitude towards things. And then keeping people, well, I think it's just treating people how I'd want to be treated. So I didn't get on very well in work. I tried to work for like, uh, I think about six months <laughs> or to a year. And I was like, oh, I don't like doing this nine to five thing. So I try and give people as much flexibility as possible. You know, as long as the job's done, then it doesn't really matter when you do it. Yeah. And trying to work collaboratively, I suppose, so that everyone feels like they're part of the team. And and they are, you know, if my staff turn around and said, like, oh, I'm leaving, I'd be like, I'd be really sad. I'd be like, oh, you're, you're so important to this. And of course, you know, there's always new people that can come in, but really kind of working with people who I enjoy working with and feel like they enjoy working. And uh, yeah, that's, that's worked for me so far. Did I hear you correctly that some of the hires you've made have been from your community? Yeah. That's, I, I was going to ask you about that. That's something I've not done, but I've heard a lot of people have success with that. And, and that's something I'm definitely looking at doing um, pretty soon. Cause I've got, I mean, I have like 6,000 piano students and I could really use some, some like customer support people and just people that can keep my students accountable. And, and people have been telling me like, there's nobody better to hire for something like that than people that have already been through your program. A hundred percent. Cause they're like your advocates, you know, and they care about what you're, what you're sharing and they've, you know, they've had a transformation through doing your course already. So Yeah. Yeah, sounds like good advice you're getting. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing on that one. So, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know that a lot of listeners can really relate to running like a million pound a year business. I think that they're in general going to relate more to, hey, seven years ago I launched and didn't make a sale, right? So let's go back to there and, and tell me kind of what, what happened next. Like, how did you get to a point where you started to taste some success with the online world? 
Mm, yeah. Well, so I just left it for, for years. I was just like, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next. And uh, so then when did it start working? Well, I, yeah, I made a decision to have a go with YouTube. And I think that's a really good place to start with experimenting, just to uh, learn about your audience, uh, to put stuff out there, to see what you like creating as well. And I kind of made this uh, decision that, okay, I was going to put one video a week on YouTube and it didn't matter if it was bad or good. I was just going to do it just for like some action. I needed some action to move things forward. And um, that taught me a lot because I was learning about my camera, my angles. I I was getting loads of feedback like, oh, I thought this video would be so popular and it wasn't. And then this little thing where I'm just showing something so simple is like, you know, loads of views. So that's, I think that's a really good playing ground for just working out at the beginning what you want, what you don't want. Um, and yeah, just getting kind of to, to know your, your audience really and what's missing, what's not already out there. And then after, after that, I kind of decided, I just decided I was just going to go for it. And um, yeah, created the website, invested a little bit in the branding. I do find as well this thing of once I've experimented for a while, actually investing in myself is a really good way to push things forward. Like I think I just started this business when uh, Jewelers Academy, I started when my, just after my son was born and I'd had like six months with him and he was starting nursery for a couple of days a week. And I was like, okay, this, this is my project. This is what I'm going to do on those days. And I think I spend like 3,000 to 4,000 pounds on branding, which is a lot when you're starting a business. That's like, whoo, okay, that's kind of like everything that I've got spare here to put in. But it was such a kind of shift in terms of, right, I'm investing in this. I'm going for it. And it, it's, again, that mindset thing of like, well, now I've got to make it work because I spent that money and I don't want it to be a waste. So, yeah, getting the website ready, sorting out the branding. And I used Facebook groups to build a community. So that had been going for a little while as well. I mean, I was lucky that I had a list, but it's interesting. You said you launched to a really small list. I launched to a big list who I'd not spoken to for years, <laughs> which was equally, you know, had no response because they were just like, who are you? Why are you messaging me? So yeah, starting, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 people on your list, if you're speaking to them regularly, like every week and just checking in, asking them questions getting feedback and the momentum that I got from them gave me energy as well to kind of move forward. So I'd say that's kind of how it, how it really started. I loved everything you just said. Like everything you just said was amazing. I freaked out a little bit when you said the thing about YouTube, like you made a decision to just put a, a video out there every week. I freaked out in a good way because I'm constantly hounding on that to the audience. It's like, no, you can't just build a course and then like run some ads to it. Do this the right way. We've got to build a sustainable business. We've got to actually figure out a way to create things that people actually want. And the only way to truly do that is kind of start building up an audience some some way, somehow first, and then literally ask them, hey, what are you struggling with? Hey, what can I help you with? And so I love hearing that you weren't successful with this online stuff at first. And then at some point along the way, you're like, all right, Next step, I'm going to commit to a weekly YouTube video. That's literally what I tell people. Hey, weekly YouTube video. Here's another <laughs> case study of that, everybody listening. 
there's been so many people on this podcast that have attributed a lot of their success to having some sort of consistent YouTube channel. And you, I mean, you have 78,000 subscribers, which is a lot, but it's not like you have 3 million subscribers. No, no. And a lot of the videos don't do that well. And that's okay, you know, because that's great feedback. Like, okay, that's not really a need. That's just what I want to share. <laughs> and I got to share it. Um, but what actually people need to know is this other thing, which I might be like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't really realize that. So yeah, amazing feedback for, for putting stuff on YouTube. And I think YouTube combined with a Facebook group is really awesome because even if you don't have a website yet, you can link on your YouTube to your Facebook group and say like, you know, come and ask questions, like share what you're doing. And all of that's free. You know, you don't even have to pay for anything and you can start building a community. Amazing. So that was actually where I was going to go next. It's like, okay, you make a decision to get into the YouTube thing consistent once a week. And, and I'm scrolling through your YouTube. I mean, it looks like you've mostly stuck to that. Um, what, what was kind of the call to action though? You make these YouTube videos. Where are you sending people? Are you saying, hey, come join my free group? Are you saying, hey, come join my email list? Like when you made that decision, where were you sending people after the video? Yeah, so I think mainly to the Facebook group. I mean, if I'm honest... I didn't have my call to actions down. I was just like, I'm just going to put it out and it will, the universe will work somehow. (laughs) And you're right that a strong call to action (laughs) is going to create a lot better results. But I think nowadays with YouTubes, we just, each one has a different call to action depending on what we want. You know, so some of them are, are about go to another YouTube video because YouTube love it when people stay on their channel. So if I've got like a video series, like how to make, uh, you know, a pendant or a ring or whatever. And I say part one, part two, part three, and it might only be at the end of part three that I try and move them onto somewhere else. Um, so that's, a, that's just, just like a strategic decision to grow the YouTube channel. Or if I'm not so interested in growing the YouTube channel at the moment, I'll say, right, here's a trailer and here's the course, go by the course. And so kind of a mixture of all of them. But yeah, loads of people have found, have found us through YouTube and people still say that today. And I don't, do as much as I used to, <laughs> but I do try and keep active on YouTube. Um, and it's, and it definitely has really good results for online courses. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you have a, a video as recently as a week ago. My, my most recent one, certainly not that recent. So right at 70,000, 78,000 subscribers, Jessica, I don't mean to brag, but, uh, 70, <laughs> 79,000 subscribers over here, barely on top of you. I, I think we should maybe place a wager or something or challenge each other. Let's see. You can get to a hundred thousand first. <laughs> it's fun. Like it's not all about the numbers, but it is fun to challenge yourself, isn't yes. it? Like I saw before I came on the podcast, you've got a video with 2 million views. So that's amazing. Props for that. <laughs> so yeah, Thank it's you. like, it's not, it is a little bit of vanity, but it's also, you know, we've got to have our fun. We've got to let, got to let the kids have their fun in business as well. <laughs> yes, for sure. So, so speaking of traffic sources, like today, what would you say your top traffic source is? Oh, uh, I mean, I think today our, like we have a community and it's most, mostly people from in that community kind of going up to the next level of what we're doing. So we are bringing new people in all the time, but I think our top kind of level of like what's bringing stuff to us is people who might have done like one course with us a few years ago, then going up to a diploma or someone who's taken the boot camp like five years ago and being like, oh, I'm ready to do it again. But in terms of like external traffic, 
Probably a mixture. I mean, I focus quite a lot on Instagram just because I enjoy it. And uh, I think we get quite a few people from there. Then the Facebook group is always kind of growing. So we get some people from there. And then I think, I think it's a real hybrid, you know, YouTube, a little bit of Googling. And I suppose in our industry, we're just well known. So when people come to any of the Facebook groups around jewelry, they'll probably find us at, at some point. So it's nice to be in a niche where it's like you just kind of can get known in that niche as well. Okay, so they say like the the best way to just like increase your business or increase your revenue is like do one of two things. You want to try to sell more to the same people or like increase the amount of each sale, right? So raising your prices or, or order bumps and so on. So it sounds like you're definitely hitting that first thing really, really hard and your your existing customers keep coming back for more. I got to be honest with you, that's, I haven't found a ton of success with that. And, and it could be a mindset thing because I'm like, okay, piano in 21 days, like that's the brand. Like I ha- everything I'm going to teach you, I can teach you in 21 days. How could I have anything more to teach you beyond that? But we're, we're currently working on releasing like some, some, some next level courses that would come after that, like jazz in 21 days, classical in 21 days and so on. And just because it's kind of always the way I've done it, like I've, I've thought of maybe just offering those as bonuses with the course, but but hearing you, it's like, no, let's let's have a path for people to go. And if the first course was good and, and you're good and they like you, it's a good relationship, they're going to want to keep paying you money. Yeah, definitely. And like, what do I do if I want to become like a concert pianist? What's the next level? Yeah, well, that's going to be the, the <laughs> classical. Yeah, but you see, but you got to understand, Jessica, like in my marketing, I'm like, hey, Hey, if you if you don't want to be a concert pianist, then come learn from me, right? So okay, cool. What if I want to be like a pianist for I don't know a a, a pop star or someone yeah. or like like what if I've got ambition? Like this isn't just my hobby. Like what if I want this to be a really big thing for me? Like what do I? How can you help me? No, there's there's no doubt, and I'm trying to get better and better too. Even though I've been doing this for eight years now, like at still asking my people, my customers people on the list like hey what are you still struggling with like how can i help you i think that's important all along the journey and I, i'm learning i'm learning so much from you as well this is this is an awesome business model thank you, you well, met, yeah I, I'm, we're all learning I, <laughs> we're all I, lifelong learners here <laughs> yeah for sure and that's why i like just having these conversations um with, with other course creators one thing that jumped out at me you said a little bit earlier that i jotted down you said something about that you did like try the normal like nine to five thing was that was that because your business wasn't working at some point or, or this is like before you started your business? No, this was before. So I like, I, yes, yeah, so I went to school and college and stuff. And then um, I went to uni, but I was kind of like, I don't really want to study anything at uni. I don't have anything I massively want to study. So I just picked a course, uh, which was arts management uh, and it was a good course, but I did it for a year. And then I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> So I left, uh, I left my uni course, which everyone thought was a little bit insane because I didn't, I also had a job that was related to the course that was quite well paid. And, um, I was just like, neither of these things are making me happy. You know, I don't, you know, when you just, you just know inside of you, there's something you're like, this isn't what I meant to be doing. And I think I was super lucky that I got that at 19. I know I see a lot of people get it and it can happen at any age. You know, some people don't get it till they're 60 or, or above, you know, and there's, everything in between. And uh, yeah, so I was working uh, while I was at uni, I was working three days a week as well. 
And uh, even that, I couldn't hack it. I couldn't hack it getting on the tube in the morning and just like, yeah. And it's that thing of like wasting time at work as well. You know, like you've been given these tasks, but you've got to wait until, because you've done your tasks and it's three o'clock and you've got to be there till five. And I was just like, this isn't, there must be another way. So yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. You figured figured that out pretty early on, it sounds like. So we were were talking about traffic a second ago. You mentioned Instagram. I I was looking at your Instagram page earlier, um, which it clearly seems like you know what you're doing there. There was a video that you posted recently um, that was really interesting of you. Like it was, it was, I think it was silent. You were just like flipping through a notebook with showing different diagrams and you were talking about planning um, one quarter at a time. Or like when you look at the next year, like let's, let's have one goal per quarter and so on. But where I really want to go with this is it looked like it was actually a TikTok video. Are you on TikTok? (laughs) Well, I just joined TikTok like a few days ago. But the reason why I joined it, and this might change, but for now, is just it's easier to make those videos on TikTok mm-hmm. than on Instagram. So we share a lot. So Reels are doing really well on Instagram. Like they're by far and away what's getting all the traffic at the moment. So I try and share a Reel a week on Instagram. And we've been sharing loads of trailers about courses or like moments of um, soldering in jewelry, which are very satisfying where you see like the solder melt. But I thought, oh, it'd be good to do some like business ones as well. And I just thought, how am I going to do this? I don't really want to do the dancing thing. Like I'm not <laughs> ready to do the pointing dancing thing. So yeah, I saw on TikTok, like it's a really easy way to create videos. So I just made it on there because you can speed up. You can do all sorts of things. I know Reels, you can do some stuff as well, but it's, it's not quite, quite what I was looking for. So then I exported it from TikTok and uploaded it onto the Instagram which I think a lot of people are doing as well. So yeah, but who knows? Maybe maybe we'll take over TikTok next. You never know. <laughs> so tell tell me about that video because it I, I didn't I don't know that I finished the whole thing, but it looked like it, you were going in a really good place. Um, what what is that strategy about planning that you were sharing in that video? Yeah, sure. So this is uh, we call it your year in a nutshell, and it's something that I do at the beginning of every year. So first, you set a, a word for the year. So that's Instead of having like a New Year's resolution, you just have one word. So last year, my word for the year was growth. And it was just everything that I did in that year, I wanted to grow. Um, this year, my word for the year is self-love. So, you know, it's kind of like focusing on stuff around that, affirmations. And it's just kind of giving yourself something. So that's what we start with is your word for the year. And loads of people have different things like focus or, yeah, overcoming procrastination or whatever they need to do. And um, then we set the income goal. So the income goal, you you pick, you, you visualize yourself a year from now. Everything's gone well in your business. You've, you know, you're really happy. This is what you wanted. Doesn't We don't worry too much about profit because we get into too much mind stuff, but just how much income do you have? And then once you've got that number, you double it, which is when you go freak out somewhere. <laughs> And then we say, why not? You know, why not go for it? What's the worst that can happen? We're opening ourselves up to the growth because your mind starts to think backwards. Like, oh, how would I do that? What would I do? And uh, so then once you've got those two things, you've got your word of the year, you've got your really scary income goal. We then work on, okay, what's the action we're going to take next? So you divide a page into four quarters, which are your four quarters of the year. So like January to March, March to... May, can't remember the quarters, but you know what I mean, the four quarters. 
and they're about 90 days each. So what we, what we generally say is you can do one, like one big thing in each quarter. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to do the YouTube videos. I'm going to do them every week. That's quarter one goal. And then you might say, I want to get my branding and my website sorted. That's quarter two goal. And then we might say, um, then I'm going to do a launch. That's quarter three goal, you know, so on and so forth. Because something that we realize in our community is a lot of people will put all of those goals just on their to-do list and just get overwhelmed looking at it and be like, I just can't, it's too much. And then not really get anything done. So it's to help pace the year out. And then the final bit that we do is say, okay, we've got our goal for each quarter. So now we need to pick a revenue generating kind of activity or program or launch for each quarter as well, so that we are bringing in some income each quarter. So if one quarter you're saying, I'm going to do my branding and website, great, but that doesn't mean any income's coming in. So you might add that I'm going to do a little like five-day launch at the end of that or just thinking about how you're going to bring income in each quarter in your business. And that's the year in a nutshell. It's a really useful tool. Yeah. I, lo- I love the, I love the simplicity of it. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause writing a whole business plan is just, I mean, it can be really helpful. Yeah. It can be a really helpful thing to do, but you can get bogged down in it all. So this is a nice, simple kind of like to spend half an hour or so and get it all down. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit jealous of your business because you've got, you're clearly passionate about like the making jewelry as well as the business side. Right. And, and I am too, like I'm passionate about teaching piano, but then also like the business side of online courses for me, like those two aren't the same, can't fall under the same brand or company. They're two different audiences. Whereas you, you get to have this one brand and, and you get to talk about both sides to the same people. It just sounds like so much easier. Yeah, it it does help. It does help. But you know, you never know what might happen. You never know. You might start training people to become piano teachers and they need to know how do I market to my students and how do I do this? And you know, sometimes it's awesome to have two businesses as well. I had two businesses up until a little while ago and they were split in a different way. It was the physical versus the online and maybe that will come back. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I am very lucky that I get to, to do what I love doing. And, but it, you know, and for anyone who's thinking like, oh, that all sounds good, but it's totally unattainable. You know, I've been doing this for like 13, 14 years. You know, I started when I was 19 and I'm 34. So I've been doing this. I've been in the same industry. I've been teaching jewelers. I've been teaching jewelry business. And, you know, like I said, I've had some real ups and downs during that process. And there's been times when I've just been like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> um, there's been times I share where I've lost like 50,000 pounds at a time <laughs> by making various mistakes. So it's really just been, but it's always been something that's called me back. And I think it's the perseverance and the passion that has, you know, eventually got me to this stage and who knows what's going to happen next, but yeah, enjoying the ride. Who knows? Well, Jessica, it's been a pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this. Uh, it's been fun to get to know you a little bit and about your business, the way you do things. I'm very inspired on my side. So thanks for joining me uh, to wrap this up. I guess if there's anything else you want to share with the audience and and let them know uh, where they could look into your stuff a little bit more online. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, I don't normally talk about online courses, so it's a, it's a pleasure and a treat. 
And uh, yeah, I'm very inspired by your business as well. It's wonderful to see how many people you are helping and teaching and, you know, both the piano and the online courses, because they, they're all things that people need right now, I think, you know, inspiration and also to be able to run your own business from home is, is such, a, such a gift in this, in this day and age. But yeah, so if, you're, if you want to make jewellery or run a jewellery business or just connect with me, you know, I'm very, very open to connect to, to non-jewellers as well. You can find me on Instagram at Jewellers Academy, hang out on there most of the time. And uh, you can find our website, yeah, jewellersacademy.com. And there's uh, loads of stuff on there too. So yeah, send any jewellers our way. We'll, we'll help them out. <laughs> we'll do. Thanks, Jessica. Great. Thanks. Bye. Dr. K, welcome back. Let's talk about that conversation with Jessica. What did you think? Oh, man, I just loved, again, that she is creating a viable career for people that love art, love jewelry making. Uh, one of my best friends, his name is Danny, but he, he got a four-year degree in art. He ended up working in a John Deere factory making tractors, and it was utterly unfulfilling uh, having an art degree and then working in a factory. Went back to school and got a degree in education, and now he's a junior high art teacher. But I mean, it just highlights the value, you know, for Jessica to offer her course that teaches both how to make jewelry and how to sell it. The 3,000 pounds, when you compare it to all the investment that my friend Danny did as far as both time and money, and then he still walked out of it and he didn't have the business side. It just is incredible. It's an online course revolution, man. I mean, it is. Nate, we talked about Nate Dotson, like he's teaching people to start six figure businesses, selling microgreens, door to door subscription, farmer's market. Jessica Rose is teaching people to start jewelry businesses. It doesn't just have to be like an online course, like a course about online courses or, or how to start an online business. Like there's these, there's all kinds of different businesses people can create. And I've talked about it many times on the podcast, like this could replace college. Like you don't have to go to college anymore. And that was a, that was a perfect example that you just mentioned about your friend. Exactly. And then obviously Jessica Rose is just so incredibly impressive. I mean, this idea that she trained 30,000 students in person. And then when the rug was pulled out from her with the pandemic, um, she matched her previous year's income. Um, that's just incredible. And she talked a lot about the different mindset techniques, this year in a nutshell uh, concept of planning a year out and how she, when she sets a goal, she says, what goal am I comfortable with? And then she doubles it. I was kind of interested to know who she is following when it comes to this mindset stuff. Cause I feel like I'm like, I think she's in a course uh, or she's listening to somebody or she's reading a book. I don't know if it's Jay Shetty. I don't know if this was a uh, Tony Robbins stuff. I've never have you read Tony Robbins or or been to his stuff at all? Oh yeah, I mean I've been to he was the he was the keynote speaker or headline headliner at the ClickFunnels event early last year and it I mean it was scheduled for 4 hours and it went for like 6 hours. And and I had wow. to leave early cuz my my family had come to meet us, but it is raw raw jumping up and down screaming uh, like insane. I've read some of his books like he he he's the he's the gold standard of like self-help and, and motivational speaker for sure. So were you able to pick up? Like, can you guess what what people she was following? No, it would have been a good question. And Jessica, if you're listening to this, like, let me know. Let Answer this question for us, you know, via email or something. Let us know. Because yeah, I mean, that's wh whatever it is, double it. Like, that's that's pretty good. Or maybe maybe that's that is the Jessica Rose special. Maybe she came up with that herself. That's true. That's true. 
Uh, one of my favorite quotes, she was talking about how her courses are so exceptional. And she said, the customer is me because I love jewelry making. I create the courses I want to learn. So I get the jewelers that I want to learn from. I'm like, show me how to do this. Because if it's my dream course, I'm sure it's a lot of other people's dream courses as well. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's great when somebody starts out by making their own course, but then ultimately they can build out this whole ecosystem of learning with their people that they want to learn from. Yeah. And, you know, with with that and what you said a minute ago, too, like how she was able to so quickly pivot. Some people might listen to this and be like, I could never be like that. I could never have a million dollar, a million pound online course business like Jessica. She's just got it. But what she's got is a really, really, really loyal audience, right? And that's the key takeaway. She's done so many things the right way that, you know, remember the part where she talked about how it's just her same customers keep buying more and more things from her? Mm -hmm. Like people are all about the brand and all about her. And that's because of the way she's cultivated this over the past, what was it, decade or so. And I think it's, you know, it, with my business, I don't have a lot of, of things to keep selling to my piano students, but I, but I feel like for the most part, I've built up an audience that just really respects me and is really loyal to me and as well. And I need to try to come up with more and more products that I can sell to them. This boot camp that I did late last year with them, there was really high demand for. I've, I've talked about it before, but before I knew it, I had 27 paying applications for something that I pitched only five spots in. But I think it's things like sending a bonjoro to people when they sign up, doing live Q&As with them, even though that's not something that they was part of the deal, like interacting in the Facebook group. That's not necessarily part of the deal, like showing a general interest and care for, for them and their success will help you to build up an audience like this that is loyal and wants to keep coming back and buying from you. And I think that's part of this whole transformation over information thing that we keep talking about. Definitely. Well, it was interesting as you two talked about YouTube and uh, we've chatted about this a little bit before, but your YouTube recommendation is kind of a do as I say, not as I do recommendation because <laughs> by and large, I mean, you have a handful of videos that are up there with these massive amounts of views that show up at the top of uh, search results um, where you really haven't had to keep putting out YouTube videos every week. So that is kind of interesting. Um, I jumped into that top video and I was just like, I wonder what the comments look like. I mean, that's just, <laughs> it, you know, if you're bored, you can always go into the comments and, and see what somebody says. So a couple of these top comments, this is your your video with 2 million views, but the top one was, it says, me, an intellectual, plays video at 2x speed so I can learn piano in two minutes. Yeah, the thing, um, so the video is called Learn Piano in Four Minutes. Correct, yeah, Learn Piano in Four Minutes. Another person says, I didn't learn, I didn't learn in four minutes because in four minutes I was busy strolling in comments section. And then three of these laugh out louds with the, the crying to the side. And then uh, next, the next one says, what the heck? This guy is not clickbait. Very good info. Another person says, me who has been playing piano for eight years. Dang, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so it's pretty impressive, but I don't know. I mean, like, if you hadn't had this video take off, do you think you would be constantly putting out videos every week? Yeah, you know, the we, we've we talked about this on the podcast um, at this, you know, we're going to two, every two weeks on the podcast and just kind of scaling back this side of things. I wonder what would have happened if I had never started this brand and been 
fully focused on piano in 21 days. And, and I don't regret starting this brand. I'm not saying that. I love this. I love you know all the connections I've been able to make. You know our our time, me and you, David. You know talking about the the interviews and and even times when we've done podcasts without other guests, just the topics that we're able to talk about together and share that value to the audience. But I think if I would have never started this brand, then YouTube's certainly a place that I would have done more on and, and have more subscribers and videos than I do now. Um, but, but that's also an area that I hope to jump back into as well now that I'm going to have a little bit more time. I mean, you look at what I've been able to do the last two Fridays where I've like recorded for seven hours straight. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to do that every Friday and, and just crank out like a YouTube video every day. But there's no reason I can't make like a YouTube video every week. I'm not saying I'm going to commit to that, but um, I think that is. I've said it many times here, but YouTube um, YouTube channels are really great for course creators. There's been so many course creators coming on the podcast saying how important that is to their success um, as a course creator and with their course. And I'm ready. I'm ready to ramp mine up even more than it is already. Definitely. As I heard you talking about YouTube, also you and uh, Jessica, I was thinking like, there's got to be a a good job opportunity for some people out there just to really brand themselves as a content repurposing specialist. So, I mean, let's imagine that you didn't have Emily at least doing like the blog post creation. If somebody came to you and said like, listen, I will take care of end to end, take YouTube videos, I'll turn it into a podcast, I'll turn it into a, a blog post. I'll create the social posts. I mean, if they came to you with a proposal at this point, like, I mean, you'd probably be willing to pay a fair amount of money to that person to do that, correct? For the right experience, for the right person, for sure. I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe think they can do that, but but aren't doing it as effectively. There's a lot of people on Upwork who are like re content repurposing specialists. But I think you've got to you've got to do it the right way. So it's um it's a skill that that more and more people are learning. But uh, it's it's a newer it's a newer skill. Sure. Well, so the last thing, as far as TikTok, we we really haven't had a TikTok <laughs> specialist. Yeah. I'd really love to see Elise Dharma come back and talk about it. But for somebody that might be wondering how they should dip their toe into the TikTok waters, um, I would just recommend I listened to Elise Dharma's interview on Amy Porterfield's podcast. So online marketing made easy. And that was an amazing interview. Uh, she has five different TikToks that if you don't want to dance and you have a business, you can get started with. So I would just highly recommend watching that. And Elise, if you hear this, uh, I'd love to hear you uh, do another interview with Jacques. Awesome. You know, it's funny. I actually pinged her about a week ago and I was like, hey, it's, it's been a while. You want to come back on the podcast? And she was like, sure. Like, what do you, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, maybe TikTok. I don't know. Like, I, I do have privacy concerns about TikTok, which is why I'm not on it. But she's 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 great at a lot of things. And her YouTube channel, speaking of YouTube, has been really growing. She's been putting some great content out there on YouTube. But I do think we'll have her back on soon. Last time she came on, she talked mostly about uh, Instagram, which is, I think, her original claim to fame. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe we can have her on about uh, TikTok. By the way, I wanted to ask before we got out of here, your wife, the chronic like course buyer, uh, d- did she already buy Jessica Rose's course or what? No, no, she, uh, she hasn't expressed a big interest in, uh, in, in jewelry making yet. No. Okay. Has she, well, maybe once she listens to this episode, she'll be like, uh, checking out some webinars, going, going to jewelersacademy.com and so on. We'll see. All right. And by the way, I did make the connection between Jessica and Amanda 
And I just like I the whole time I'm just like, how do y'all know not know each other? Is as blew me away. Well, London's a fairly large city. Is it, David? Thank you for that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's gonna that's gonna do it uh here. You you managed to only say fart one time during this episode. Well done, David. Um, <laughs> so look, all the show notes, as usual, you can find those at oc.show slash one sixty-nine. This is episode one sixty-nine here. And that's going to do it here. Uh, David, Dr. K, thank you so much for joining me. You out there listening, thank you for listening and being so loyal to this podcast. And thanks again to Jessica Rose for being the feature conversation from today. That's going to do it here. Get out there and make some next level courses that provide transformation to your students and not just information. Take care, everyone. (music) 